chapters 1 through 5. You don't have to go chapter by chapter, just brief. Like, for instance, we learned that all of humanity is completely wicked. We learned, what else? That God's grace Right, that was the last thing he said in chapter 5 that we just finished was that where sin abounds, grace did more abound. We, we learned that God is perfectly holy and perfection is all he'll accept. So basically we learned that there is absolutely no hope. And then the end of chapter 3 and beginning of chapter 5, he introduced a way out. What was that? God's righteousness. He gives us his own righteousness through what? Through the blood of Christ. So Christ, the perfect man, God in human flesh, died, gave his perfect life so that my sinful life would be seen as a perfect life and my sinfulness would be placed on him at the cross, right? Okay, so those first five chapters, those first five chapters, it was all about what we are, the plight that we're in, and what God has done for us in order to save us, in order to remove us from, uh, the, from under His wrath and to, and to uh, bring us into His grace. And so the very last thing that we saw in chapter 5 was where it says it was talking about uh, that we're free in Christ and we have access to grace and we've been justified by you know, by faith in him and he has done all those things for us. And the last sentence in chapter five said, where sin did abound, then grace did more abound. Is that right? Am I remembering that correctly? Yes. Okay. So the first question that comes into your mind when you say, well, if sin is so much more sinful, that means grace is so much more Bigger, bigger, bigger word, more better, so much more better, more better. That may not be perfectly correct, but it's correct. First question that comes to mind is, well, if that's the case, then why can't, why don't I just sin all I want to and make God's grace look bigger? And Paul's going to answer that question. He's going to answer that question and he's going to show us in this passage, it's, ch it's chapter 6, 1 through 14. I wrote it up here. I know you got your Bibles, but I wrote it up here because I like underlining and circling stuff. So it says, Paul's asking his own question as if somebody's arguing with him. He's saying, so what shall we say? If sin, if where sin abounds, grace does more abound, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin? That's remain in a lifestyle of sin that grace may abound. So that grace may abound. May we continue in sin that grace may abound. And verse 2, he answers his question. God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? So the answer to the question is no. We cannot, not that, oh, you shouldn't live in sin, but we cannot continue in sin because the answer is because why? We're dead to sin. And the whole rest of this section is going to be him explaining what it means to be dead in sin and alive to Christ. He's going to talk about your new birth, being born again. He's going to talk about how, you know, God is, uh, has recreated you, has made you different now so that you cannot commit sin. You are not under his dominion. So uh, grace leads to 
righteousness. It's going to talk to you in language that talks about servants and slaves and masters. And what I like most about what I like most about it is three times it starts with what you know. Okay? It starts with what you know as a believer. Okay? And I say that because if I just gave you a big list of rules and say, okay, everybody, we're Christians now and we're, uh, you know, we're supposed to be doing better and we're supposed to be doing right. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a list of rules. Here's a list of rules for you to follow. Do X, Y, and Z, and then God's going to be happy with you and you're going to live the Christian life. That's not how Paul explains what it is to live the Christian life. It starts about what we know. You came into Christ. You were saved by what? By grace through what? Through faith. By trusting in Christ. By giving yourself to something that you can't necessarily see, but the Word tells you it's this way, therefore I trust the Word, therefore I believe that Christ died for my sins and He paid for me. Well, Paul is going to say, instead of where he says, you are dead to sin, he bases it on three things. And I'm going to underline it in color. I don't know why. He says, it's something that you know here. Where's the other one? Man, I wrote them so close together. Here's one. Knowing. And then six. Knowing. He says three things. It's based on three things that you know. These things, these things are true. Whether Let me put it this way. They're true whether you believe them or not for believers. But since they're true, you need to know them. You need to believe them. You need to trust them. It says, first one, know you not that he's going to say that you were united to Christ when you were saved. That means you were freed from your old master, which was sin, and you are serving a new master now, which is Christ. It says, know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. We were united with Jesus Christ in his death, which means when he died on the cross, I died on the cross. Okay? So the the body of my sin, he was taking my place on the cross. Uh, The Apostle Paul in Galatians 2 also said, I have been crucified with Christ. We are united to him in his death. What that means is that when... Well, the wages of sin is what? Is death. The penalty that I owe for my sin is what? And the penalty has already been paid. You see that? So the penalty was paid when Jesus died on the cross. And I was united with him when he died on the cross by faith in Christ. Therefore, his death is my death. And that that old man that I was, we're going to see that here in a minute, the old man that I was, the sinful, selfish, you know, I'm not talking about, you know, I could show you about axe murderers and pedophiles and bank robbers and all those. I'm just talking about the normal, average, everyday, walking down the street, how you doing people. They live for themselves. I live for myself. All I cared about was, you know, I would do good for other people, but it was all to make me feel better about myself. It was all about me, you know, uh, trying to please what was inside of me, me living independent of God. It says, so we were baptized. So the first thing you got to know is that we were united with him in his death. Therefore, therefore, what does therefore point to? 
baptized into Jesus Christ, we were baptized into His death. Since we were baptized into His death, we are, not were, but are buried with Him by baptism into death. Now, it's important for you to understand this as well. Paul is not giving you a theology of baptism right here. He's using the word baptism to symbolize your whole conversion experience. You're, you were a sinner and you came and by faith and then after you, after you put your faith in Christ, you were changed and you were saved and then you were baptized. He's using that to, to, as, a, as an example of the whole experience of being born again. He says, by that, by being born again, therefore we are buried with him in baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, if we have been, now remember right up here it says you have been. If you're a believer, so many of us as were baptized in Jesus Christ, if you were baptized into Jesus Christ, you were baptized into his death. It's a fact. That's what he says. If you're a believer in here, you died with Christ. As far as the Father sees, the penalty for your sin has been paid because death has been given. The wages of sin is death and you were united to Christ in his death. So therefore, uh, you were buried with him uh, you, uh, buried with him in baptism into death that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, just the same way Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, okay, out of the tomb, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, if we, switch colors, if we have died with him, if you are a believer, that's what it's saying. If you're a Christian, if you're born again, if you have been planted together with Jesus in the likeness of his death, it says what? That you ought to start acting better. You ought to start walking in the newness of life. Is that what it says? It says... Is that what it says? It says... That's right shall be. You will be. So it says, for if we have been planted, if you've been, if you've been united to Christ in his death, if you've died with him, and you have if you're a believer, if you're a believer, you've been united with him in your death, then since you've been united with him in his death, just like he was raised from the dead, you will be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Okay. Now, the language there is a little confusing, but basically what he's saying is, is that you died to sin, to your old man, to your old self. When you came to Christ, you died. It says, how can we who are dead to sin live there any longer in? And it also says that you were raised to new life. You were raised to new life with Christ so that now, as a born-again believer, you're a brand new creature. Second Corinthians. 517 says if we uh, what does it say says, if any man be in Christ, he's a brand new creature. Old th yeah. The old things are passed away and all things have become new. And, and he's going to tell us the first, the first command, there's, uh, we've been through chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and now we're in 6. And Paul has not commanded us to do anything yet. 
Everything is about who we are in Christ, about what we were before Christ. And right here in verse 11, we're going to talk about, it says, this is, this is the first command in Romans. You reckon yourself the way, and we're going to talk about you reckoning yourself dead the same way that God the Father has reckoned you dead in Christ. Okay? So the three things that we know, know you not, you were united with him in uh, in his death, in his burial, and his resurrection, sorry. And knowing this, that our old man is crucified. That that sinful man that when God, like Brother Eddie was saying, when God looks at me, he sees, you know, how prideful I am or how sinful I am or how uh, selfish I am. Or you just pick your sin, whatever it is. It says that old man is crucified with Christ. Is crucified with him. And the reason that it was crucified with Christ, that the body of sin... This is what I still live in right now. I live in my flesh. The body of sin might be destroyed. And that destroyed is talking about every single day God is moving in you. If you're a believer, God is moving in you to bring you one step closer to holiness and perfection than you were yesterday. Now, is it okay? You Sometimes it'll be, sometimes I'll, I'll just say for my own life, sometimes it seems like I take two steps forward and then bang, three steps back. I do something stupid or whatever. And then I'll take two or three more steps forward toward him and then something else. But if you look at the whole of your life, it'll be going uphill. It'll be going uphill toward uh, the love of God, the desire for God, the willingness to serve God. You will be growing in holiness the rest of your life. Um, So that the body of sin might be destroyed is being destroyed daily because we've been cru- our old man is crucified with him that henceforth we should not serve sin he that is dead is free from sin this is the second knowing remember the first one was that we are united with Christ second one is that we are now free from our old master free from sin now i'm going to explain that in just a second it says now if we be dead with Christ we believe that we shall also live with him and then we start the third knowing it says since we've been crucified with him henceforth we should not serve sin for he that is dead is free from sin now think about this if i if i let's just put it back in slavery days let's say i'm a slave to my master this is my master and i gotta go you know pick cotton or whatever he tells me to do whatever it is i'm doing i gotta do that if i die is he still my master? He's no longer my master. Think about it this way. If I, I, I used to work at a body shop and uh, one, day I, one day I quit, you know, and I, I walked in the next day to get a reference and one of the other bosses who didn't know I quit, he started talking to me like this. He, I, I was getting a letter of recommendation, a reference, you know, and, and one of the other underbosses was like, hey, I need you to go out there to the, to the bay over there and, and start pulling paper and get this car wrapped up. And I was like, uh, I'm not under your authority anymore. I quit yesterday. I don't know if you, you must not have heard. You see, and that's what, that's what sin, we don't live because we died with Christ. We don't live in that world where sin rules over us anymore. We don't live in that world. If, if a person dies, they move on to the next world, you know, whether it be heaven or hell or whatever. So they don't live in the, in the same world anymore that sin dies. You are, 
If you are believers in here, you have been freed from that world. Sin does not dominate you anymore. It has no claim over you. It has no authority of you. And we're going to see down here where you can just you can just tell sin to go take it and stick it like you would a boss that you don't work for anymore. It did, yes. We were slaves to sin. We talked about that in, in chapter 3, that it was slaves. You were a slave to sin. When it said move, you moved. When it said go, you went. All you cared about was what was good for you. You know, and when you say sin, now I'm not just talking about the ugly bank robbery and, you know, I'm talking about our daily walking. I don't serve God. I don't live for God. I don't obey God. I don't care about God. I don't care about anything that God has to do to do with my life. He created me and he made me and his, he has a purpose for me, but forget all that. I'm just going to do what I want to do, what makes me happy, what makes it fun for my life. That is being a slave to sin. When sin calls, you go. You don't have no choice. You don't have no choice to go. It says Jesus said that the, Jesus told the Pharisees in John 8, it says that the one who, the one who sins is slave to sin. And so he was your master, but you were purchased from him through the death of Christ to a new master. Now, does that mean, oh, well, praise God, sin doesn't have any more dominion over me. I don't have sin. I'm perfect now, and I ain't ever going to make a mistake. I ain't ever going to sin. We just talked about the fact that that's not true. You're going to be working it every single day. But understand this. I had a friend in college that he was from England, and he was, he would, he would, when he'd drive, you know, he, he would drive on the wrong side of the road, you know, just because he's used to driving on the wrong side of the road. And I'd be like, dude, you're going to get on the right side of the road. See, he was still thinking he was under the law of England. But no, you're, now you're under the law of the United States, which means you need to get your butt over in the right side of the road before you get smashed, right? There's some times where sin will, it'll deceive you, it'll tempt you, it'll trick you into thinking, oh, well, I need to obey, I need to get over here on the left side of the road. But it'll always come back to you. You need to come, this is where we're going to come, where it says, reckon yourselves. I don't live under this anymore. I don't live under the law. If I'm driving on the left side of the road, I don't live under the law of the... Right. And, and what we're saying here, what we're saying here is that if you, you trust these three things, one, I've been united with Christ, says knowing too that my old man is dead to sin, even though we've been talking about how I still, I will still, you know, I still can't, I'll still sin. I'll still drive on the wrong side of the road and I got to catch myself. So, oh, I got to get back. I'm not under that law anymore. I got to get back on the right side of the road. And then the last one is that knowing that Christ being raised from the dead, he dieth no more. That means if we've been united with Christ and he dies no more, death has no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. Wages of sin is death. He died unto sin once. But in that he lives, he lives unto God. So the three things. Number one, know you not that you are united with Christ in his death, burial, resurrection. Number two, knowing that you are free and no longer a slave to sin. Sin does not rule over you like it did before. For Christ. And number three, knowing that Christ has paid the penalty once and for all. He dies no more. Death has no dominion over him. He already paid that penalty.
penalty, and now he lives unto God. So if we're united with him, the penalty is paid because he died once and he doesn't need to die anymore. Now, it says, you know this. He says, don't you know that this? And then he says, and also knowing that we are free from sin and knowing that Christ did it once for all, it says this verse 11 here is the first command in the book of Romans. Up until now, he's not told you anything you have to do. He's just told you who you are in sin, who you are in Christ. And here's the first thing, and it starts right here. Before before we even talk about, okay, now this is what we got to do. We got to live better. We got to act better. We got to think better. We need to go treat our neighbor better. Before you get any of that stuff, it says, You reckon ye also yourselves to be dead unto sin, but alive through Jesus Christ our Lord. So it says, just like Jesus died in verse... Nine and dies no more. Death has no more dominion over him. Verse 10, he says that he died. Verse 11, you reckon yourselves to be dead with Christ. Now this word reckon, it's like a country word, isn't it? I reckon, I reckon. The funny thing is, and I just, I just really learned this this week. That word reckon is the same word that Paul used to say it was credited to him as righteousness or it was counted to him who believes as righteousness. Remember when we talked about how God credits your account or God reckons your account or God, you know, uh, it says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. It's the same word. So what it's saying is, is likewise, you, the way that you are born again in Christ, the way that God has reckoned your account You are free from sin. You are perfect in His sight. You need to reckon yourself that way as well. Does that make sense? Y'all with me? So if this is true, and it is, I'm born again. I'm saved by Christ. And He has forgiven me. And when the Father looks at me, He sees what? He sees Jesus. He sees perfection. He sees the perfect life of Christ. He sees no, none of my sin. It says, now you start reckoning yourself that way. Okay? You don't have to worry about the next section we're going to, uh, the next week, it, it'll say, well, does that mean we just sin all we want to? We'll get to that. We'll get to that. But right now it says, you reckon yourselves the way the Father reckons you, that you are perfect in Christ. That's what faith is. When you trust that Jesus paid for all my sin. You see how? See what I mean? That's what faith is. When you say, oh, I have faith in Christ. You say, well, I have faith in what? You have faith that He paid for all of your sins. And when you stand before the Father, He's going to see you as perfect. He says, so if you're perfect right now in the Father's eyes, you need to start reckoning yourself to be dead to sin and alive unto God through, not because I'm so good, but through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Y'all with me? Everybody tracking? Any questions, comments, cries of outrage? Yes. So it says you should credit yourself to be dead to sin, basically, in Right. It says you should reckon is a good translation likewise to reckon yourself but when you reckon yourself you're you're looking at your account all my life 
and you're saying, my life from beginning to end is perfect in Christ Jesus. Even though you know your own heart and you know where you sin, you know where you fall, you know we all know where we, we fail. But that is what faith in Jesus is. When I see, I can see all the dirt in my life, but I trust that Jesus Christ has paid for it. Therefore, I reckon myself is to dead to all that. Well, okay? One thing that we have now through completely is that, you know, when at the time of our judgment, when God looks at us, he will see his son. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if we believe. And when I was doing my study this week and I got to that, to verse 10, it really kind of did a flip side. I also see God through Jesus. I see my Father through him. Right. Because it says, you know, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So, you know, so instead of, I always had that fear even right after my salvation, I always had that fear standing before God, trembling uh, with, oh, how bad is this going to be? You know what I mean? Yeah. And through this study, that has really, really, really just disappeared because I'm standing there. He's seeing his son through me, but I'm also seeing him through his son. Yeah, sure, sure. We call him Father. Uh, we, we now that now that we've come through Christ, he's right. Abba Father, exactly. right? And uh, what I was thinking while you were were saying that was when I stand. Here's what most people don't understand. I mean, there's some people on this side that say, "Oh, you got to do X, Y, and Z, and you got to do all these rules, and you got to." And then there's some people on this side who say, "Well, it don't matter. We're under grace. Let's just go party and sin all we want to." Neither one of those is correct. When you stand before God, I want you to understand something. In and of yourself, it doesn't matter what kind of life you've lived. It's going to be, when you were saying, when you were saying, oh, how bad is this going to be? It's going to be real bad because it's going to be nothing good. Zero. It said, remember, there is no one righteous. No one does good. Remember chapter three? No, yeah, not even one. So when you stand before God at the final judgment, you will either be 100% perfectly righteous in Jesus Christ. Jesus will step in front of you and say, this is my child. This is, they, they followed me and I I took their punishment and they, they have my perfect life. You will either be 100% righteous in Christ or you will be 0% righteous. There won't be no, well, I helped my neighbor and I did pretty good. And I, no, no, it says there is no one that has done good. Not even one. You will be zero. So when God, the father comes to judge, it won't, it'll be like you're either perfect in Christ or you're absolutely 100% wicked. There's nothing good. You don't get any. I mean, you don't get no brownie points for nothing. Okay. So it says, because you are in Christ and I'm assuming I'm speaking like we're all born again. Only, you know, so if there's somebody who's not, you know, you have to, you have to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. But it says, likewise, reckon you also all yourselves to be dead in sin, but alive to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And then the second thing, how do I reckon myself dead? Is I do not let sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. It says, neither yield. This is a very important word here. Yield. Your members as instruments of unrighteousness, that word instruments can also be translated in different places in the New Testament as weapons or utensils of, that means like neither be used by 
unrighteousness. I, I'm going to punch Jalen in his face. Who wrote this bottom part? Unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead. Remember, how are we alive from the dead? We're alive from the dead through Christ, but we have done what? Reckoned ourselves to be dead to sin and alive unto God. So what we need to start doing is living like we're dead to sin and alive to God. But you yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of unrighteousness to God for sin. This is a fact. This is not a command. For sin have... I know he didn't write that. Somebody read verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For ye are not under the law, but under grace. Okay. For sin shall not have dominion over you. That's a fact. That's not a, hey, people, don't let sin have dominion over It's a fact. It does not have dominion over the believers. Why do believers fall into sin then? Because we choose to yield. Okay. When my boss that I don't work for anymore comes in and says, Jason, get over here and wash that car. I say, yes, sir. And I go wash the car even though I don't work for the dude anymore. I chose to yield myself to him. He has no authority over me, but I, get, I, cho- I chose to yield myself. If I'm walking to go wash the car and I'm like, wait a minute. I don't work for you. I don't have to do that. That's the picture of what Paul's trying to tell us. When when sin says, hey, hey, come here, come here and take this. And I say, okay, I'm coming. I'm coming. In the midst of your, in, you, you reckon yourself, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I'm dead to that. I don't, I don't, that doesn't rule me. I don't, I don't need it. I don't have to do it. It's not what makes me happy. It's not going to bring me joy. These things start running through your mind as you reckon yourself to be dead unto sin. So the point of this whole passage is not necessarily just giving you a, a list of rules. You better start doing. You better start. Hey, Nick, how you doing? Yeah, nice. Good to see you. It's not just to say, hey, start doing this. You need to start doing this. And if you don't start doing it, you're not a good Christian. It's not to do that. It's to, the an- it's to answer the question, shall we continue in sin? And the whole answer to this question is no. You can't continue in sin as a believer because you've died and you've been raised. And now you live in a new realm, I guess. Is that too nerdy of a word? Realm? Michelle, is that too nerdy? Okay, so you live, you don't live in, if Curtis owes me $200 and Curtis dies, does Curtis still owe me $200? I can't collect on the debt, he's dead, he's moved on to another realm. I just spit on you, I'm sorry. He's moved on to another realm, he's moved on to another world. I can't collect nothing from him. The same way when you died to sin and you were raised in Christ, you moved to a different existence and sin has no claim on you anymore. So to say, zippity-doo-dah, let me continue in sin is impossible for the believer because he doesn't live that existence anymore. Now, in chapter 7, if... 
you know, if you're starting to have questions or whatever, you can read ahead. Chapter 7, Paul's going to really show us how the believer struggles and wars and fights with these sins and how he wrestles them and does battle with them and all those things. But before we can even start fighting with sin, you've got to get this in your mind that you have to, the command in this section is, first of all, these are things that we know. That we're united with Christ, we're dead to sin, and that He died once for all, therefore I died once for all. And now we just have to start reckoning ourselves to be dead to sin. Does that make sense? Y'all with me? Any questions? Okay. The number one problem for believers that... It's why people sell so many books about the victorious Christian life and how you can have joy and what God wants to do for you and and all that stuff that never works. You read it and after you read it, you're like, okay, that's a good idea and it never works. The number one problem is that we don't reckon ourselves to be dead to sin and alive in Christ. If you know who you are, then everything else will fall right into place. You see, when I, when I scraped my knuckles and said that word, it wasn't like, well, darn, I broke rule number nine. Well, now I got to do something good so I can go make it. No, it was part of me. I, I desired to obey God. I desired to serve Him. I desired to love Him. And when you're born again and the Holy Spirit comes into your heart, now all of a sudden you desire to follow Him. You desire. And that's what makes you different than before. Even if you struggle with sin, even if you're warring with sin, you're struggling with something right now, the struggle, the, I once run into a guy, and we're done, I once run into a guy that said, uh, you know, I just have a hard time. I just have a hard time being faithful to my wife. You know, it's like yeah, I probably told y'all that before. But he was like, it's just like you know, some people have cigarettes, some people have alcohol. I, I have infidelity. You know, that's my that's my vice. And so his thing was his thing was. That's just my thing. That's just my thing. It's the way God made me and whatever. And then, you know, when I got to talking to him about it, he's like, now, now hold on now. We all struggle with sin. And I said, yeah, but it, it don't look like you're struggling too hard. You know, you're not putting up much of a fight. You're pretty much living in it. But if you are struggling with a sin and it's aching and you're agonizing over this and that, and it's try, that's the evidence. That's the evidence that there's something new about you, you see? Because used to, I, I could just do whatever I wanted to do. I mean, I, I could, I could, when we first, when we got married, Dana worked 7 p.m., 7 a.m., Jack, and I played in a rock and roll band. I, mean, I was free to do every, anything I wanted to do. I had all night to do it. She was gone. And I don't know why, why did I just say that? <laughs> never mind. These are not the droids you're looking, never mind. Okay. Only half of y'all got that. I'm a nerd. Uh, the point, the point is that the struggle is evidence that there's a new spirit there that's warring against what was, what was old there. Does that make sense? A lot of people say, I just, I just struggle so much and I'm so tired and I don't want, it's frustrating that I keep messing up and I keep falling. In. But you understand, the victory doesn't come until you're glorified. 
Until then, you're going to be struggling against sin. That is the point. That's the purpose. That's why you're here. So when we think, man, I just wish this battle would be over, the battle is going to continue in you. The flesh and the spirit. The flesh and the spirit. The flesh and the spirit. It's going to continue for the rest of your life. And that, for me, it took me a long time to realize this, but that is the victory. The battle is the victory. See, because God's promised me that it would, I would win. He promised me that grace would cover me. He promised me that He'd take me to heaven. He promised me that I was saved. And the battle that's going on between my flesh that wants to sin and the spirit that, that doesn't want me to sin, that's evidence in my life that God has given me His promise. Make sense? Because the guy who don't have God's promise and God's grace, he ain't got no battle going on. He's just rocking and rolling, you know, right along in it. Make sense? So instead of being frustrated and despaired and depressed about the battle that goes on, the battle is evidence that the victory is yours. Make sense? All right, let's pray. Lord, we we love you, God, and we thank you for your thank you for your word. Thank you for giving it to us, Lord, in such a way that we can understand that we know that we are united with you in death and burial and resurrection, and that your life is now accounted as our life, and your death is now accounted as our death, that we are freed from our master of sin that was given to us, Lord, at our birth, God, and we're free from from following after our own desires, Lord, and that you've put your spirit inside of us that we would desire you and given us a heart to follow you, Father. We just ask, Lord, if there's one thing, Lord, that we can take away from this, that you would help us today to see us through your eyes. God, to see, if you if you look at us and see only Christ, if you look at us and see only forgiveness, if you look at us and see only perfection, God, help us to see through your eyes and to reckon ourselves to be dead, to sin and alive unto you. God, be with us as we go into service, Lord. Be with Brother Eddie as he's preaching, Lord, and, and, and give us a renewed heart and a hunger for that word, God, that's going to be preached today and that you would just uh, use it to shape us and change us. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. No. Yeah, uh, yeah five. Yeah. Hey, there won't be no fries.